a Mets series win. What are those? It has happened. The Mets took two of three from the Chicago Cubs at City Field, getting back to winning ways after back to back sweeps to open up August. We will recap the series, look ahead to the Braves series ahead and talk about the state of the team and the prospects and Brett Beatty going down and what the future of this team holds down the road and for these next seven, eight weeks as Mets public address announcer Colin Cosell is going to join me. It's all coming up next on Amazing But True from the New York Post. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. Welcome back to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Jake Brown. Follow me on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio. Follow the show at Amazing But True. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the New York Post Sports YouTube page joining us in just a minute will be Mets public address announcer, friend of the program, Colin Cosell. Yes, that is Howard Cosell's grandson. He's going to join us in a minute. The Mets take two out of three over the Cubs, the formerly wild card leading Cubs, at least for the third spot. A good series win. Pete Alonzo homers in all three games, four homers in three games. You know, the bullpen closed it out. It got shaky in the ninth, but it was the Phil Bickford game. Bickford cleans up the mess that Adovino left, struck out Ian Hat with the base loaded in the game. Um, you saw some good pitching from Peterson. You saw Sanga being Sanga and pitching well. A good outing from Cookie, but the offense not doing enough on Tuesday. And the Mets take two out of three. They are seven back in the wild card. So some good things from the Mets. So the bats came alive on on uh, Monday night. They did just enough on Wednesday. McNeil homered on Wednesday. You don't see a lot of McNeil home runs, just his fifth of the season. And, uh, you know, a nice series win. Not much else I could say about it. I mean, they're still throwing out Abraham Almonte, Rafael Ortega. Vientos is now playing third as Brett Beatty gets sent down. You know, it was surprising that they did win a series, but it was encouraging just to see some wins at this point for a team that looks like they're tanking. And we'll talk about it with Colin Cassell. I believe this is maybe his third or fourth appearance. And if you're watching on the New York Post Sports YouTube page, you'll see his background. Last time he did a cool a background green screen of me and Figgy, the logo. This time, you know, I like it better because it is the view from his booth. At City Field, he is the public address announcer for the New York Mets and splits the time with the great Marisal Castro. I can't say her name as good as she can say her name. That'd be Colin Cosell. If I'm on Twitter at Cosell PA. Colin, can you say Marisal Castro a little bit better than I did? Exponentially better. It's Marisal Castro. You definitely turned the Marisal into a Marisal, and uh, I won't let her. I, I won't tell you, you said that. I think it turned it into a mariachi band is what I was trying to do. I mean, I don't I don't know where I was going with that pronunciation. You've had some interesting ones because you got a new Met on the roster every day that even the diehard. I, I was like, we'll, we'll say Arauz, Jonathan Arauz. I was like, who is this guy? Like kind of jokingly, like, we've hit that point in the season. The tweet blew up. But then you have the people who were like, did you watch spring training? He had at bats. I'm like, shut up. Like, if, I'm sorry. Like, I don't watch every spring training game. 
you know, March, I'm, I'm just not locked in on spring training games. It's Rangers, it's Knicks, it's Nets, NBA, March Madness. There's a lot going on. I don't know about Jonathan Alaruz. I'm sorry. I don't know Abraham Almonte. Like, congrats if if you watch those. It's like, you shouldn't have a podcast if you don't know Jonathan Alaruz. Like, it's like, get a life and get a grip, uh, first off. Second off, when I heard you in the stadium, I don't know why there was like a decrescendo on his last name where I thought you just gave up on the pronunciation. I know you wouldn't. You're a professional. But for some reason, I didn't hear the last name. Maybe because it was, it was, I was drinking or something. But... Uh, I just heard Jonathan, so say it for me. It's uh, Jonathan Arauz. And when I got that text from you, it was like way after the fact. And uh, you immediately like sent red flags going my brain. I thought I mispronounced something. I was like, wait, what What happened here? What are you talking about? And you're like, Arauz. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a fun one. But when we get the, the MLB prono list from MLB, and he's on there, and it says Arauz. Ooze. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to go with that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Matasal will do a much better justice than I will. But I do keep an eye on these things like during spring training and keep an eye on like who's going to be there just so I like it's on my radar and it's not fresh the first time I see them. But to your point, I like spring training was six, seven, eight months ago. And uh, post pandemic, like the time space continuum has been torn to shreds. So like that could have been 2018 for all I know. So yeah, you're, you're not alone in that boat, but um, yeah, people got to lay off. I don't remember for lunch yesterday. You want me to remember Jonathan Arauz from, from March? Like let's, let's Jake, if you want to remember what you had for lunch yesterday, just go through your Twitter feed because like every meal, <laughs> I feel like you have posted. I, I, I think you, you have equal parts like Mets, news and what i'm eating right now and i'm sitting there i'm like well that looks delicious thanks jake uh, well then when in 10 years i'm not tweeting it's because i died from what I, what I ate so i think people are starting to realize either diabetes on, on the way like something's gonna happen to me but i've real at least I, i've come to fruition that i'm expecting it so when it happens it won't get me by surprise but i gotta keep the people entertained you know with food everyone loves food so i think that's why some people follow me they, they mute me when i tweet about the mets but they unmute me when they see a picture of food. And yeah, I mean, at the ballpark, I eat good, you know, at home, I make my salmon. I'll go to the bagel shop bagel. I don't go crazy, but when I go out, I like, you know, that's one of the great things about New York Colin is we have the best food in America. Here, you go to right? Jake's place and you open his fridge and it's just fruit, nuts, and berries. And it's just like, what is this? That's There's not literally water bottles, a bottle of wine, and maybe some Rayo sauce. And I'm not, there's like nothing else. Like right now I, I need to do a food shop. There's nothing. That's why I end up eating out a lot. Cause I'm, I'm out and about and I just don't eat at home as much. I don't Are know. you graduating from college anytime soon? Like that is a quintessential <laughs> college student fridge right yeah, there. That's there's just, some spaghetti in the cabinet too. You know, you it's like the old commercials for sunny delight. It's just like, ah, we got uh, milk, uh, purple stuff. Ooh, sunny D. All right. Yeah. That's Jake's fridge. <laughs> It's literally, yeah, the, many weeks, especially lately with, you know, my heavy social agenda. It's been a pretty, it's been a pretty light, uh, light fridge. Zig Fricasi from Sirius XM used to say to me, like, Mr. Social Agenda. Like, that's, that's what he called me because I was always somewhere. So, well, I'm just, I'm hoping for, for your sake that one of your followers, one of your fans is a cardiologist and is going to listen to this and will reach out to you and be like, dude, I'm on standby if ever you need me. Here's the thing. I've been putting off putting my physical getting my physical because i'm scared oh, to see the results <laughs> they don't like also like update me like like the hospital send the email remind me it's time for your physical i feel like i never gotten an email so that's my excuses 
I think you're, I went there, two years ago to get my. You're last their vocal. only patient. They're like, oh, we we got to check up on Jake Brown. We've got about fourteen thousand people in the R right now. But uh, what's Jake up to? I'm listen, worried about him. Listen, that triglyceride—it's a tongue twister. That triglyceride level is high, bro. Like. You know, I, the, I, we've I, I got point. through that word. I thought you were having a stroke in real time. I was going to be like, well, that's what I get for tempting fate in real time. Honestly, every week I feel like I'm having a stroke. Like I'll try and spit something out. It's starting to get concerning where I should see a doctor where like I'll try to put a sentence together and it'll be a, a cluster. You know what? So anyways, we've hit that point of the Mets season. We're talking about my triglycerides. Yeah, what a rabbit hole we've fallen down here. This You're is amazing, but true. Volumes. Um, Brett Beatty's triglyceride levels are pretty low right now, like his batting average. That was that was mean. He gets sent down and the Mets went two or three. You know, I'm not going to do dive much into this series when it was nice. I think they're going to get absolutely pounded by the Braves if they split, you know, go buy some mega millions tickets. I think it's over like a billion dollars now. You know, the prospect struggles, the prospect disappointments is a bit concerning, Colin. And you talk about a team that just went all out to get prospects and have tanked the last two months. And, you know, I love seeing the Acuna highlights. He looks incredible. The guy's stealing bases in double A every day. Clifford's been looking good. Uh, you know, the prospects have have looks out. Vasil, Vasil, that's one you'll one day have to know how to pronounce. Could make a few starts in September. He's doing well. They got some decent pitchers in the minors, not a lot. But Colin, like the concern with these guys who you thought could end up being everyday players, it's hitting past the point of, oh, it's still early. Let's give him time. Vientos, it is kind of still early because early on he didn't play a lot. He's now starting to get his footing playing a little bit. So we'll see with him. He's playing third. But Baby's playing every day, and he could not hit a lick. You know, Vientos, not the greatest. And those are really the top two. But start Beatty was the key guy because you were about to put him in as your cornerstone franchise third baseman. And if he doesn't come back September and show something, I don't know how you go on opening day next year making him your third baseman. You might have to go sign someone. So are you also concerned with Beatty? And, and what's your thoughts here on the, you know, the Mets prospects and the disappointment from some of these hitters? Outside the- Alvarez, sorry. So outside Francisco Alvarez, who is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that that dude showed some baseball IQ last night. Uh, he narrowly averted a uh, a pitch clock violation or some did like d- violation. He just ran out to the pitcher's mound uh, and like we were all like, why is he running? Like, oh, my God, he just narrowly averted a, a, a called strike for one of the new infractions. Would have been a called ball. Was, yeah, he it was one ball, second yeah. left on the clock and he ran out and it would have been, I think, a 2-2 count or something if he didn't run out. And I, I think the base of a loader was close. So that was a very important move. Yeah, yeah, that was brilliant. Um, And, you know, he's he's coming around. He he gets it. I Here's the thing. Like the clubhouse this year was different. It was odd. And obviously the chemistry just never materialized. You know, it was one step forward, one and a half, two steps back. But you also had this mix of like youth. You had the the actual cornerstones who have been here for a while in the McNeils and the Alonzos, Lindor to a certain degree, um, obviously Nimmo. Then you had like the the older veterans who were, were who were brought in, like your Verlanders, your Ed super intense Max Scherzers, and then you know like uh, an Eduardo Escobar who's an older seasoned veteran but was really good for Beatty. I think once Escobar was traded, suddenly there is this mental chip that developed on Beatty where like you're the cornerstone now. And I think he put a lot of unneeded, undue pressure on himself. And I think it was wise to send him down now to be like, okay, take a deep breath. 
I don't need to carry City Field on my shoulders. I can carry Syracuse, get my swing back, get my groove back, because we've seen what he's capable of. Uh, we've we've seen some great defensive plays out of Beatty. We've seen some big hits out of Beatty. We've seen some smart hitting out of Beatty as well. We know the pieces are there. It's now a question of him putting them together without the pressure of the, the bright lights of New York City and the possibility of making the back page of the newspaper when you're at that age. Obviously, that's going to be on your radar. That's something you're going to check. And that's that's a lot of pressure for anyone. You know, uh, kids in their 20s these days are a lot different than kids that were in their 20s coming into the bigs uh, even 20, 30 years ago. Uh, and, you know, with social media on top of all of that, like there's a, a ton, a metric ton of pressure on on these kids. Some of them are built for it. Some of them need to grow into it. Uh, you take a look at someone like Edwin Diaz. His his starts with uh, with the Mets when he first came over lackluster uh you know there was no splash no waves at all and he thought all right here's another one crumbling under the bright lights in the big city but he figured it out i think Beatty will be one of those people who can figure it out he's got a, a great uh organization around him he's also got people that he grew up with in the system in the organization around him as well i i am i'm not concerned about it and you know what if you're going to send him down this is the season to do it what are we playing for here we're playing towards the future we're giving some kids some reps uh we're just gonna you know sail this thing out and get prepared for next season and and kind of experiment a little and if some of that experimentation means sending kids down, then so be it. Uh, but I, I think he will figure it out. I'm not raising any red flags right now because I want to see what the future looks like. Uh, and I, I'm hoping they're you know playing their cards right. Neither neither of us are GMs. Neither of us are Buck Showalter. Um, so you know perhaps they know something we don't. But that's my take on it. I mean, I look like a minor league player with this tight tittied uh, football jersey that they get gave away like it we were talking about i need a hand wash i don't know a hand wash amazing but true jake brown colin cosell mess public address announcer follow my twitter i can sell pa follow me at jake brown radio follow the show at amazing but true the you know the frustrating part of this is you know i, I know they're waiting on mauricio it seems until they, they get the extra year of control which is nine days away now august 19th maybe it's a september 1st call up billy epler will say and, and picture it like you know, they have, they still have to see things, which he is moving around, playing different positions, now playing some third. So it seems like it, when Beatty's back, it might be DH or left field. You know, they have two outfield open spots because, you know, Marte's in the IL, and honestly, they should just shut Marte down for the season. No reason to bring him back. But there's outfield spots open. I'd like to see Mauricio here. I get, you know, I hope it happens in nine days. That's, that's the hope. But, like, the more I'm hearing, you know, Epler say that, it's like, are they just not going to play him this year and then just use him in a trade and we'll never get to see him as a Met in the major leagues? I really hope that doesn't happen, Colin, because that's something in these last two months we're looking forward to because as much as I love to say the name, Jonathan Arauz, like we're not going against to see Arauz, Abraham Almonte, Rafael Ortega. You know, they're cool stories, but they're 4A players and they're not part of the Mets' future. And like part of these two months and the tank, is about seeing the future young talent of this team. And now that Beatty's getting, we're really just seeing Vientos. We're seeing Alvarez, but we've seen him all year. We know he's the guy, but we're just seeing really Vientos besides Alvarez. And it's just kind of annoying to me. I don't know if you're a little annoyed by it, by seeing these, you know, career minor leaguers versus seeing potential future major leaguers. 
Well, I mean, you know, there uh, those those potential major leaguers we're going to see in nine days. We're going to be seeing plenty of them in September. I believe Mauricio is going to be a part of that equation as well. Uh, you know, when you take a look at you know the the filler material is what I guess you can call the Ortegas, the Almontes, the Araruzas of the world right now. Uh, listen, there there's a there's a game plan there, and there's things that we don't know behind the scenes. Like I remember when everyone was chomping at the bit to bring up Pete Alonso when he was absolutely like just raking it in in Vegas, and you know, I turned to my boss and I said, why aren't we bringing this kid up? And they're like, and he said, point blank, there's something they see that we don't. There's a reason he's not here yet. You'll probably see him in spring training. And then he earned his way on, uh, obviously, that that next year. I, I, I can't I can't speak to it because I can't think like a GM. The only thing I can think of is letting these kids develop in a developmental setting rather than uh, having them up here right now. Uh, when, you know, they can get as much development as possible before they do come up when the, you know, expanded rosters happen. And then you've got, you know, the again, the filler material material. Well, that filler material also just took two or three against the Cubs. I know that's not a big deal, but it is when you're playing spoiler. You know, we're not full fledged tanking, obviously, because the Cubs, that, that was a costly loss for them last night. And they have a very talented team. There's no reason they shouldn't be, you know, playing their hearts out. The Mets to take two or three of them is kind of embarrassing for the Cubs, really. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's it's fun to watch. It's, you know, these are names that I'm not going to obviously grow accustomed to. But for all we know, one of them will turn into a breakout star. Highly unlikely. But this is one of those things where we're just kind of like filling the time before the expanded rosters kick in. And um, obviously the team's still trying to compete because Jeff McNeil hit his fifth home run of the season, which was very strange to me to say that it was his fifth when he hit it. I was like, Oh, it's gotta be what 10 or 11. Nope. Only his fifth. You know, McNeil's having an off year, but then again, he plays better on even years anyway, but all that aside, you know, this, that's, it's, this is what it is. It's stopgap until we get to the expanded roster. And I'm, I made my peace with all of it. You know, when I realized that we were full-fledged sellers at the trade deadline, it was just like, okay, I'm not going to put any sort of uh, blood, sweat, or tears into the team doing well. I'm just going to trust the system, and I will hand it to Billy Upler. He probably saved his job by doing so, but he did a masterful job at the trade deadline bolstering our farm system and making it one of the top three in in the majors. I mean, maybe maybe uh, the top five uh, because – yeah, the Rays are always there and uh, the, the Orioles and what have you, but I'm not taking any of this with any weight. And it, maybe it's different for me this year, you know, having a four month old because I'm like, well, the bigger picture changes now that I have a baby. And it does. I don't mean to say that so flippantly, but uh, at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, win or lose, I'm still going to come home. My little girl is going to be so happy to see me and give me this big smile. And that's what matters to me right now. Uh, you know, and there's still baseball to be played. Like I still can go to the ballpark and watch baseball. It's not like they dismantled the team and called it quits and packed it up for the season and shut down City Field. I'm at peace with everything right now. I want to see where the future is going because at the end of the day, in Steve, I trust. That is a Mets fan who wants a championship as bad as any Mets fan. From the the newborn, you know, from my four-month-old who, who doesn't know she's a Mets fan yet, to uh, Pin Man and Cowbell Man who are obviously like super diehards. I, we all want a championship. Steve wants it just as badly. I'm trusting in Steve Cohen. And I get the whole having a kid perspective. See, I come home to an empty fridge and, you know, uh, you it's know, fully empty. you got some bottles of water, some Sunny D, a bottle uh, of wine, you said, which is a necessity and rouse. There might be half left of the wine at this point. But, this, boy. <laughs> but the, you know, I come home to mediocre pill. I'm trying to upgrade my pill. Anyways. Yeah. You know, I get it. And 
listen, I'm not going to have you say this. You're, you work for the team. I, I don't think Billy Epa should be back. I, I think he did have a good deadline in terms of getting prospect, but I think that was making up for the other mistakes that were made. And, you know, a lot of that's on the guys sucking. If, if Scherzer was better, we wouldn't have been in this position. If Verlander started off a little bit better, I know he's hurt. Maybe they're not in this position. If the rest of the team played better and played like last year, maybe they're not in this position. But in my opinion, Colony half-assed the trade deadline last year, getting fringe players instead of getting better players like the Braves did and, and the Phillies did, who ended up going to the World Series. And he traded prospects away last year. So this year he's kind of making up for the prospects he traded for the likes of Tyler Naquin and Darren Ruff last year and trading a Holderman who could have been a reliever in this in this bad middle relief for Vogelback, who's th- and that's part of the frustration. It's like I thought you were gonna move on from the Vogelback, you know, once trade deadline hit. Something's going on there. But I, I just don't get why Vogel I mean, I know he's playing less now, but he still gets a few times in the lineup a week. And it shouldn't bother me because I know they're tanking and it's over, but it's like, God, I just want to see some young talent. And maybe we do with Mauricio. Mauricio's at 289, 17 homers, 59 RBIs, 247 the last 22 games, 202 in June, 256 in July, 250 in August. So his first two months, he was off to a scorching start. Maybe he's regressed, got tired. And people got to factor in. This guy's probably frustrated. He probably sees all these guys shifting through the big leagues. He's like, where is my chance? And there's a mental side of this that is frustrating. The time for Mauricio was early July. Like at this point, there's no point arguing. You get why contract. It doesn't matter now. The time to do it was maybe when they had that win streak to start July. But, you know, he has regressed. So we'll see when he comes up here, what position we play and what they do with him. But they should definitely uh, shut down Starling Marte. Anyway, Edwin Diaz, they're talking about rehabs going well. He shouldn't touch a mound this year. Like to put him out in late September – you know, assuming the Mets don't go on a run here, the seven out of the wild card, we don't expect them to go on a run. If they do, you know, it'd be a hell of a story. Listen, I'm not rooting for them to lose. Like, I would still love if they could shock the world. It would just be so improbable with the roster they have in place. But if they do it and they're a couple out, great. I know I've said before it would be a tease. I hope they don't. But obviously, I want the team to win games. I don't look at it like the draft, like stock and like the NBA. It's a weird tank in baseball. It's just not the same as – as a uh, NBA football is different. You're only playing 17 games. So I think every week you are trying to win. It's not like you're trying to tank in football, but basketball is the one sport where you could openly tank where you just sit, sit some of your stars and it's, they're fine with it. Now they've kind of put some rules against that, but um, I don't want, you know, I'd like to see this team win. Well, with, with baseball also the, the draft is, I mean, you, you know, first rounders are 90% of the time going to make it to the bigs. Uh, but there, more often than not with major league baseball in the drafts, like you can go deep into the draft and end up having an all-star pitcher an all-star, whatever position player. Um, you, Look you at never... Mike Piazza was like in like the 91st round or something crazy. Like some of the best players have come from later rounds. Exactly. But you know, like you take a look at, at the NHL, however, you know, the first rounders, those are going to be your stars. And then you'll occasionally get, um, you know, a big name that pops up from a later round, someone who just, it all clicks for them, which when it happens, it's great. The NBA, anything after the first round is, means nothing. Uh, The NFL is another one of those kind of fluid things. You know, you've got the Tom Brady story that people always turn to, but also Tom Brady was drafted after being hurt. So people didn't really, you know, know what he was capable of and his draft stock, his value was low, but you can also have one of those 
those players that comes from a later round in the NFL and, and MLB is the same way. So listen, all of the, the, the draft pieces or rather the prospects that we, we got in place from this trade deadline, they're all top 100. So they're all going to be, uh, you know, they all have a real solid chance of making it to the bigs in terms of, uh, you know, Ronnie Mauricio, Look, I watched him. I watched uh, Alvarez. I watched Beatty. Uh, I watched Bryce Montez de Oca. I, I've seen all these guys when I would, you know, fill in occasionally in, in Brooklyn. And I'm like, wow, these guys seem like they're ways away from making it to the bigs. And then, the, the you know, offseason work, you don't know exactly what they're putting into it. And then it, they take it to that next level. Like, I didn't expect to see Alvarez this soon. I didn't expect to see Beatty this soon. So whatever it is that's going on with Mauricio, again, this is one of those things like whatever's going on behind the scenes, whatever the scouts, uh, whatever the, the analytics people are, are seeing there that we're not seeing, they're they're seeing something with Mauricio. And granted, yeah, you, you bring him up when he's hot and, and see if that translates to the bigs. But again, still, they saw something uh, with him in, in terms of, uh, of Verlander and Scherzer. You know, they didn't live up to stuff. However, we sold high. Uh, they both were pitching the best they'd pitched all season when the trade de deadline came around. And I think that's kind of bearing the lead there by a lot of the news outlets, because that, that was a perfect uh, opportunity to sell. Uh, they're both pitching well. That means you're going to get a higher return on them. That was kind of serendipitous. You know, if you're going to call it a season, you're going to sell two future Hall of Famers, two Cy Young Award winners, two world champions, you know, at, at the peak of whatever this season may be, lackluster as it may be, you're still getting a great return on them. So um, I think I addressed everything except for what's in your fridge. Exactly. Yeah. Listen, I hope these guys pan out, man, because prospects, uh, I don't really like to say if they're a lottery ticket. I know everyone likes to say lottery ticket um, because lottery ticket is a lot more of a crapshoot than a prospect. But, you know, you just never know with them. And we've seen many prospects come here and disappoint. And we hope that's not the case with some of these young guys. And uh, this weekend, the Mets will take on the Braves in Atlanta for four. Friday is fireworks night Saturday's the split admission doubleheader which is just blasphemy um the first the first game is the husband of this it is the Mr. Met Robo Ned Dow so now you could have two horror movies sitting next to you at bed at night or wherever you put these on your desk you know me just putting them up to here I mean this is like this giving away this to children seems like the wrong message like her eyes, it is scary. Like, it's a demon eyes, Colin. Like, I don't know. I don't know if the this is something you're going to... You said your your baby's four months. Eloise is four months. Is this something you'd be like, here, do you want to play with this robo-knit doll? I mean, she's at the age where she's... Uh, thank you for haunting my dreams. Um, the uh, <laughs> she She's at that age where, like, you know, nothing really scares her except for loud noises. And even then... That was good. Now we found your uh, Halloween costume, by the way. Just got to enlarge that a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I I don't know what goes into the giveaways. I don't even know what the RoboKnit thing was. I saw it and it was just like, obviously, that's something that's like past my age. I, I don't I don't get it. I, I don't know, man. But listen, we had 37,000 fans in attendance last night and it was wasn't 37. Wow. Yeah, that's what they they clocked it at. Um, and I, I and actually I, I pegged it, too. I, I've gotten very good at uh, pegging exactly what the amount's going to be. Um, I said I do that, a, too. I love I love like looking around and seeing. All right. These sections are empty. That's 3000 seats, blah, blah, blah. And I'll do the math in my head. It did look crowded. I didn't see fully 
up top. You know me, bougie down low. I, I you know, the top left, the winds are blowing too much up there. Um, but it did look like over 30. But the thing is, and this is the the mystery is 15,000. Like what happened to the first 25,000 fan giveaway? I thought with Cohen, it would be a lock that they'd have more of them. I thought that was more a Wilpon thing, 15,000. Now you had, what, 20,000 plus people that didn't give get a jersey and now are going to go on eBay. Maybe I'm going to sell a podcast game used uh, jersey on eBay, see how much I could get for this thing. Because everyone was like, where do I get it? How do I get it? How do I get it? So maybe that's part of the ploy. Maybe it's an, an opportunity for, for fans to make an extra buck. Um, but there's also, there's been a lot more giveaways. Uh, so maybe you're stretching it out a little bit more. Um, and we started doing giveaways on weekdays, which is something new as well. So um, I think that's, I think it's just kind of like leveling out the numbers. I mean, at the end of the day, our owner is a businessman and a very successful one at that. Obviously the Mets for him is, is a brand new business. This is a, a, a brand new, you know, toy, so to speak. And he's still figuring it out. It's not like he figured out hedge funds on day one. Um, so, I, you know, I think that goes for building a team for the future, getting that championship. I think that also goes to the nuts and bolts and the subtle nuances and logistics of running a team uh, and and bringing fans into the stadium. And if that means more giveaways, but at smaller amounts of people, maybe that brings also people to the, to the ballpark more. People are going to be clamoring, like, I got to get there first, you know, and, but and with regards to you know the the total attendance last night i i always look to left center field like the the nosebleeds the 500s on up um and that's where i start like making you know waging my my guess on uh, on the total attendance but there's also the fans that just show up because they want the giveaway and then they leave like they'll buy a cheap nosebleed seat get there early get the the giveaway and then uh, to your point put it on ebay who's to say man but i i think at the end of the day it's a smaller amount of people because there's more giveaways and they're including uh weekdays which by the way, has worked brilliantly because as the person who predominantly works the weekday series, because Matasol's on TV and uh, I enjoy having weekends on the summertime. Don't tell her I said that. Um, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where I'm seeing more fans in the stands on on these weekday series, and it's because of the giveaways. So no, it was it was genius that they did it. I mean, it was genius. And and coming up, you know, I'll probably go to the Tuesday. The I mean, I'll I'll console. I'll. I'll I'll play my uh, taps on my way to the stadium when I get my Edwin Diaz trumpet bobblehead next Tuesday, the Friday, the 25th. So if that game is a rain delay, I will be co-hosting Figgy show on picks 11 with him. So you'll get amazing, but true on television on picks 11. And I'll probably be on at the ballpark because the game's on picks 11. So I'm, I'll do my rain dance Thursday night, the 24th and hope that Otani's, you know, trip to Queens is delayed at least 30 minutes so I could get some FaceTime on Picks 11. So you got that ghost fork ball. I'm going to have to have someone get me that because that thing looks kind of cool. Your corduroy hat you have. You have the Bartolo Colon Big Sexy Long Sleeve T-shirt, which has to be an XL. Like, they need to make an exception and make sure Bartolo Day is extra large and not large. Um, I kind of want the Buck Showalter-inspired windbreakers, cool. Mets cross body bag. So some good promotions left in the season. All right, to recap, the show so far, one, Brett Beatty sent down. Two, please shut down Starling Marte. Three, do not pitch Edwin Diaz again this year. Four, Mets Braves this weekend. Enjoy the four-game series there. Five, um, Luis Angel Acuna stealing bases. He's 194 in eight games so far, but he has four steals. Um, and that's pretty much the rundown. Danny Mendick hit his first Mets homer the other night. I mean, how many more times am I going to say Danny Mendick's name? I've said it way too many times on this na- on this show already. And the Mets take two out of three from the Cubs and they're seven back in the walkout. All right. 
It is the final show for intern Nick Guzman as he wraps up his internship officially tomorrow on Friday. So, Colin, if, if you'd like to join in, I he's going to give us some Mets trivia. So he's going to start by giving it to you. And if you don't know it, I'll try and get it. I, I have no idea what these questions are. So intern Nick Guzman out of WFUV Radio. What's your first question? Hand it to Colin. Can you name the five Mets with the most home runs in City Field history? Five Mets with the most home runs in City Field history. Do we do half and half, or you want to try all five solo? And then if you don't well, get it, I, I mean, I got to throw uh, Alonzo in there. That's uh, one. Yeah, that's a good one. Because I immediately you, you gravitate towards like Mets, like home run hitters. And I'm like, well, <laughs> uh, you know, you're not throwing Piazza in that list. Um, we could collaborate on this if you want me to join in here. Yeah, jump in. All right. I'll say Lucas Duda. Yes, that's number that's two. That's a good one. Okay. So that's two. Alonzo Duda. <laughs> All right. We're 40% okay, of the way there. Um, David, no, David Wright's not, not on there. He is. He, yeah, is. he is. Yeah, wow. he is. David Wright's number right. four. Okay. So we got right. three with two more. Three of five. I was thinking about his back and if he played or not, but he did because his retirement day was until what, like 2018, 2019. Yeah. So he got six or seven years. You got uh, Beltran in there? No. No, yeah. he wasn't. He wasn't on the team at City the, Field. The, both of these two people left were on the twenty. Oh, that's true. World Series. That's team. right. I'm thinking 2009. What's that? They both were on the, the World Series. Left were on the 2015 right? postseason okay. run. NL Pettit. All right. I like. I like how Inter Nick is uh, throwing us a bone here. Cespedes? No. No. One. Okay. One player is still active. One is retired. One is active. One is retired. Estrubo Cabrera. No. Wow, that's a. I'm just throwing out names though. Uh, I, miss, I miss his walk-up song. Yeah, that was a good one. Who hit lead off for those for those Mets for that twenty those that 2015-2016 Mets team or twenty fifteen? Who hit lead off? My memory. <laughs> yeah, I'm. This? Uh, this is early for me, and I have a four month old. I don't know, man. I'm also what up against position? the clock. I have a, I have a work meeting in four minutes, so we got to. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah go quick. All right, what, okay. give us Curtis the- Granderson, Michael oh, Conforto. Damn it. Oh, okay, Michael Conforto. Oh, for God's sake. Curtis, uh, Curtis, that was too easy. All right, give us one more, and then he's got to go. Right. Yeah. Who are the three Mets managers with the most wins of all time? In franchise history. In franchise history. We know Terry Collins is one. Yes. One. Yes. Hojo. Bobby V? Or not Hojo. Bobby Davey. V, yes. Davey Johnson. Yes. Nice. That's three. Okay. All right, give us one more, because that was too okay. good. Yeah, no, that was good. This now one's very niche. This one's very niche. Oh, this Damn is going to be the hard one. We could get Michael Conforto. We're not going to get this one. Right? <laughs> Which Met? Because now, now Rafael Ortega is wearing slam. 30 and is throwing me off. What's that? Sorry. You guys ready? Yeah. Which Met hit a grand slam on opening day in 2013 versus the San Diego Padres? He was an outfielder. He's he's like an obscure player. Right? Very obscure Met. It's not like Eric Valent or... Uh... No, but kind of in the same realm of player. What's the first letter? His first name and last name both start with the letter C. Oh, mm. Grand slam. I was afraid you were going to say that. I'm like, oh. What's the second letter? (laughs) Oh, Colin Cowgill. Colin Cowgill. Oh, well played. Colin Cosell is a friend of ours. At Cosell PA, you hear him on the Mets public address announcing. And he does a great job pronouncing Jonathan Arauz. Colin, thanks for coming on. Jake, thanks for having me. See that cardiologist, and I don't care what anyone says. We've got baseball left. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. Closing on that.
do it for the kids. The kids are off from school, Mets. Great stuff there from my buddy Colin Cosell, who always does a good job at City Field. And can't mess up those pronunciations. You got family. Listen, that wraps up episode 170 of Amazing But True, New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz for helping me produce the show. And thank you, Nick Guzman, for helping us over this summer. Did you learn anything? Did you? <laughs> well, we talk or anything. But uh, did you enjoy? Did, did you uh, did you grow as, as a professional by working here at the New York Post? I think I definitely grew as a professional. I very much enjoyed working with you guys. Thanks so much for being so nice to me and so just so cool to work for. Thanks to Figgy, too, for being so nice. It's been a great summer. I feel like it flies by. I feel like I just started. It's really like two months is not long enough. I don't go back to school until like August 30th. I'm just going to be hanging around for like 20 I'm going to ask for an extension. What the, <laughs> what's going on here? When of course, we get swamped come September. So you got the light part of the schedule. You have an experience with me and Hart's the, the fall that really falls down on us where there's eight episodes we're doing in a, like a four-day span. And, you know, people behind the scenes that don't know, you know, it's a six to eight hour production for each. You got an episode article, you got to edit it. You got to do the video goes up, the hearts puts up. You got social clips. Um, you got promo emails. You got to work with sponsors. There's a lot of different layers to this. So, Nick, good luck at, at Fordham. What do you got, another year? Two, two years. years, going to my junior year. Two years to go. and. We'll see you in the broadcasting sphere very soon. And we will see you guys on Monday. Really, Sunday is Sunday Night Baseball. I'm so shocked by it because the Mets are so bad. Why the hell is Sunday night? They expect the Mets Braves, divisional game, rivalry. Well, (laughs) it's going to be the Braves probably scoring 10 runs every day. Um, so that's Sunday night. So we'll be back Monday morning, potentially with Ed Cranepool, just working on a time with Eddie Cranepool's promoting a book. And you know, he is a you know, legendary lifetime Met. So you got to have Cranepool on again. So me and Figgy will be back on Monday. You'll get Figgy back after his week away. Enjoy the weekend series. Enjoy the games at City Field. And we'll close it like we used to do since the Mets won two out of three with a let's go Mets. Que lo que mani.